0: They finish passing the plates. I heard a story this week about a baptism that I thought y'all would be interested in hearing about. Uh, anybody in here ever been baptized in a creek or a river stream deep enough to get your hand? Several people? I mean, I was baptized in the baptistry, but I think it'd be kind of cool if it you know, had been in the river. And, and though I haven't been, I've, I've been a part of those before. It's cold most of the time. No matter what time of year it is, it's usually pretty cold. And uh, but but this particular instance, there was a church that decided to, to have a bunch of baptisms They had had a big revival and and a lot of people had come to the Lord So they decided it was a little small country church Well, you know the the following Sunday after the revival was over They thought well, let's just go on down to the creek and we'll have church down there And this is where we'll or by the river, excuse me We'll go down by the river and we'll We'll have church down here and do these baptisms And so it came time for the baptisms to be done and Everybody was just standing by the edge of the water and uh, but but they were still far enough back that you could tell the difference between who were going to be going in soon and and who were going to be going in later. And there was this one little kid who who decided to wander down, and he was going to play in the in the creek or in the river. Come time for the baptisms to start, and so as they were doing a few of them, he got down by the water's edge. And while his father was trying to call him back up, the preacher looked at him and said, "Hey, little Johnny, why don't you come down here and find Jesus?" So he said, "Okay," and he got in the water, good clothes on and everything, got down in the river. And the preacher, preacher dunked him under the water and brought him back up and said, Did you find Jesus? He said, No. So the preacher dunked him again. Held him under a little bit longer this time. He came back up. Did you find Jesus? He said, No, I didn't find Jesus. So he baptized little Johnny one more time, held him under a little bit longer. And he started to flail around a little bit. And so the preacher brought him back up out of the water and said, Hey, did you find Jesus this time? Little Johnny said, No, I didn't. Are you sure this is where he fell in? That was pretty cute. As we begin our time of study together, let us pray and ask God's blessing to be over it, on it, and through it. Father, thank you for all of your many blessings that you give us, but none more than Jesus. And so it's in his name that we have come into this place to worship and to praise, to uplift and glorify you, Lord, for you are worthy to be praised. Father, we we come and, and give you that glory because you have changed us, Lord. You have made us new, redeemed our souls. You have saved us from the brink of death and given us eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, we can't be any more thankful for anything or anyone in this world than, than you because of what you've done. Father, help us in this moment to just push things aside. Things we've been dealing with the past week, Help put out of our minds situations and troubles and hardships and strife, Lord, so that we might focus upon you right now. And then as we leave and pick those things up as we go back out the door, help us, Father, that as we do, we approach them with a little bit more of your sight, the way you would look at it than we did when we came in, all because of your word your word that changes our lives, that makes us new from the inside out. So, Father, use this life-changing word in us today as we open our hearts now to you. Come in and do a mighty work. Comfort us, Lord, where we should be comforted, but convict us also where we should be convicted. We fully expect your spirit to, to flow in and through us at this time as we pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. I would like to begin our service this week the same way I did last week and as I hope to do for the next few weeks to come by quoting together Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Would you do that with me? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Church, we've confessed it with our, ma- our mouth. May this be our mission, and may this be our prayer. May we also commit this and, and, and make this a reference for us to call from our memory, our memories for those who have not yet heard the gospel. They have not yet heard who Jesus is, and what He can do for their lives. May this be our mission, our goal, our aim. It's to go to the ends of the earth to bring people to know Jesus Christ and His saving grace as we do. And we know that if we do this, that He has promised to be with us, surely, unto the end of the age. But this promise of His presence is conditional upon our willingness to make disciples of all nations. So, would you also quote with me Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Did you notice that his presence follows the command? We must go and do. We must commit this to memory so the day doesn't go by that we don't think about somebody who needs to know the Lord like we do. May we commit to make disciples this way as Jesus has instructed us to do. And not just as a church. Not just let everybody else make disciples. But may this be something we commit to corporately but also something we commit to individually, to make disciples of all nations. Now, in our pursuit of making disciples, Jesus said to go to some pretty specific places, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And though Jesus did mean to actually go to these specific geographical places, we found last week that these places also represent figurative Places. You see, last week we saw how Jerusalem represents our hometown. It represents our starting point, the place where our family resides, the place where we grew up, and likewise, people watched us as we grew up. We also saw that sometimes it's hard to witness in the power of the Spirit, even. Hard to witness in the power of the Spirit among those who know us sometimes better than we know ourselves. Even Jesus found trouble when He went back to His hometown because He said this, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. Jesus had difficulty in His own hometown so don't you and I think that we're going to be any different. Sometimes we're going to receive pushback when we go to witness to those people that are closest to us, whether they be in our hometown or maybe even in our very own home. But that doesn't negate the fact that Jesus said that we need to go. That we need to be in the midst of wherever we are, whether at home and abroad, making sure that people know the gospel of Jesus Christ that even despite one bad experience, this one bad experience should not define how we deliver the gospel from then on out. No, just as Jesus showed us by way of His example, we need to just simply move on to another place and pray that someone else might come to them at a later date and minister, to the, go- minister the gospel to them more effectively than we could. And you never know, when you and I move on to somewhere else, We just might be the answer to someone else's prayer over their Jerusalem. Somebody might be praying that I can't witness to my kids, but I know somebody else can. That someone may be you. I can't witness to my friends of my childhood. That someone may be you. I may not be able to witness to my grandchildren. They may not listen to me. Someone else is going to walk into their Jerusalem if you pray for that to happen. We should not waste time praying, God, convert these people because God gives us free will and He can't make anyone accept Him. We should therefore be spending time praying, God, send me, and to the ones I can't reach, send somebody else. To the ones I can't reach, Lord, send someone else. Now, in leaving our Jerusalem, in leaving our hometown, we will likely walk right into our Judea. You see, Judea is a place that's close to home, but it's far enough out that we're not the little girl or the little boy that grew up down the street. We're not so-and-so's son or daughter, and we're not remembered for our past mistakes, but in this place that we are going, we have a clean slate, and we are honored for God's presence and His hand over our life. It's in this place where people are like us, and as I've come to find in moving to a different place that's a little farther out than where you were, they may not know you, but you know some people in common, but yet the fact is they still don't know who you are. They don't relate a childhood. You start fresh. Again, that comparison, when I moved from Newcastle to Charlottesville, you all know some of the same people I do, but you didn't know me, and... I didn't know you. And so this is the case when leaving Jerusalem and traveling into the larger Judea. You see, ministering in our Jerusalem is to minister in a new town. It's to minister in a new place. It might even be to minister to a new people that you have never gone to before, like that new job or the grocery store that you haven't been to before that you decided to break the norm and and go out into. Or it's that new hobby you picked up. I know a friend of mine who picked up skeet shooting. He knew nothing about it. And these other people knew a lot more than he did. And so in the efforts of them teaching him how to skeet shoot, he taught a couple of them how to give their life to Christ. You see, leaving our Jerusalem is leaving those things that become comfortable to us. Become a place that we stay in and don't usually leave. Going into our Judea is a new place sometimes. Maybe it's a new experience. But specifically, leaving Jerusalem and going to Judea represents us going out on our own. Leaving our Jerusalem represents, to go to Judea, represents going out on our own our own. When we leave Jerusalem, we leave because we know God has called us. As I mentioned, He he called us to leave a place of comfort sometimes as the the nice catchphrase goes, those quips and those words that you hear all the time. You talk about a comfort zone, God calling us out out of our comfort zone to a place that is different than ours. And most of the time we go with slight hesitation, and sometimes it means going out of town, moving out, like I have done recently myself, or maybe it's just getting involved in something different, something unfamiliar, something new to you. Whatever it might be, it causes you to step out of the normal of your life, out of your comfort zone, so that you might witness the life-changing power of Jesus Christ Not letting just someone in the church do it, but now it's your turn to do it. You have left the people that are sort of safeguards around your life. You have left your preacher, you've left the church, and now you're out in the world yourself, and you are now the one who's expected to talk and teach people about Jesus. And that's a big day. I remember the first person I ever specifically witnessed to I'd spent a lot of time around church folk, but I remember encountering my first person who had not accepted Jesus Christ. And as I started talking about him, I remember the Holy Spirit filling the upper part of my body and the lower part of my body shaking. <laughs> I remember the Holy Spirit filling the top half and the bottom half shaking, my knees knocking, because it was the very first time I'd ever talked about Jesus on my own. I hadn't just done it in the comfort of a youth group, but, but now it's, it's, it's my turn. Now it's my chance to, to talk to someone. It's a big day, and sometimes it comes with hesitation. We feel a little bit overwhelmed at first. It's sort of like the day that our dad took our training wheels off our bicycle. You remember that day? I still can. I remember the day my dad took the training wheels off my bicycle. It was, it was scary. It was, it was tough. It was challenging. There were a few scrapes to be had but it was necessary for my growth to leave the training wheels and to go out on my own on those two wheels that everybody else is wheeling around on. Otherwise, if you don't grow in this way, you'll be stuck forever riding the little bike with the training wheels. Think about that for a minute. It looks ridiculous, doesn't These two guys on these bicycles, one's got the training wheels on the bigger bike and the other one's got the little tiny bike riding around. I can assure you that one there on the left is not photoshopped. It looks ridiculous, doesn't it? Think about how our spiritual lives look sometimes. You know, God calls us through Jesus into a relationship with Him. How many of us, our relationships still look like this? Have you been serving Him for just a couple of years? I can understand. You, you need to grow. We need those, those training wheels, but... You've been serving Jesus Christ for most of your life and if you're honest with yourself, this is where you are. I think it's time we move on. Paul told the church, I'd I'd rather you get off of, of these soft foods and get into the meat. I want you to be able to be at the point where you can take full advantage of this gospel that is laid before you. Christ wants us to leave the comfort of the church, the comfort of of the gatherings where everybody accepts Him and start to venture out into places where He's not yet known. And it takes leaving those things that are sometimes familiar to us. But I don't want you to just take my word for it. I'd like for you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 beginning in verse 1 it'll be on the on the screen for you this morning you can follow along with that Matthew chapter 10 beginning in verse 1 and reading through verse 16 reads like this Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness these are the names of the twelve apostles: first, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew; James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John; Philip and Bartholomew; Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector; James, son of Altheus. and Theodos, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve sent out with the fo- these twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Rather, go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of the judgment than for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. talk about removing the training wheels for the very first time. (laughs) For some time now, as we read in this gospel of Matthew, and as we know from the other gospels, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus' presence was the comfort zone for the disciples. Around him, he would do the speaking, he would do the teaching, and he would perform the healings. And the disciples just sat back and they said to the crowds, yeah, we're with him. Yeah, yeah, he's our rabbi. Ooh. He's, we're big stuff because we're, because we're with him. Look, look at him. Now look at me. Look at him. Now look at me. But it shouldn't have been a surprise to them, despite the fact that Jesus was going to be doing these things on his own for a while that one day they would be called by this rabbi, which means teacher for the rest of us non-Hebrew speaking folks, that one day this, this rabbi, this teacher, would require them to put what they have learned to the test. One day they would be called to answer for the things that they have learned. And the same is true for us. Like the disciples, there will be a day when we are called to put that in which we have learned from our God that in which we have learned about this good, good God and wonderful Savior who saved us from our sins, one day we're going to be called to give an account of what we know. We're going to be called to give an account for what we have heard, what we have been taught. And that day is going to come when someone is in your path that God is going to require you or me to share with them what we believe. To them we are supposed to share that the gospel of Jesus Christ still saves. That Jesus himself still saves. He still delivers us from the problems of this world and even the world itself. That he still heals in this world. That he's still performing miracles when called upon. And that's the salvation that we have found in Jesus Christ, it's not made up. And it's not just a peace of mind for the weak-minded. No, salvation is indeed real. Jesus still saves. Jesus still delivers. Jesus still heals. And His salvation is real. That is what we are called to share with everyone. And this is the very message that Jesus sent the disciples out with that very first time. That very first time of knee-knocking when they went to minister on His behalf, without Him. This is what He sent them to share. The Gospel. The good news. Jesus said it Himself this way, The kingdom of heaven has come near. Proclaim this message, The kingdom of heaven has come near. That As it was before, John proclaimed, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus at the beginning of his ministry said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now he's saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus is recognizing that his time is is coming short. That soon he will be the sacrifice for all of sins. The time has now come near. He told them to go and proclaim this message. He told them to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse those who have leprosy, and to drive out demons. And He said, freely you have received, so freely give. What a large task. An incredible task. A very challenging task that He has given them. But yet one that still rings out to us. Jesus told them to go and proclaim the gospel. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, and then show forth its proof with healings, with the casting out of demons. Go forth and show its proof when you raise the dead and you cleanse the leper. Jesus gave them all authority through the Holy Spirit to heal people spiritually and physically. Who wouldn't want to receive such a wonderful gift as what the disciples brought to town? Who would not want to receive healing and cleansing to see the dead raised? Who wouldn't want to see that? Why doesn't the world still want to see that? Why is it that people still reject Jesus Christ? Why is it that sometimes in our life we still do from time to time? We see Him right before us and we know His ways and statutes and yet we choose to reject Him in favor of the world. But that doesn't change the gospel message. It doesn't change the call for us to go and teach people that Jesus still saves, He still delivers, He still heals and that salvation is real despite the fact that there are some who won't believe that doesn't change the message and it doesn't change how we deliver it knowing that there were going to be people who would reject the disciples and likewise knowing today that there are still people who are going to reject us on behalf of God Jesus said as you enter the home give it your greeting if the home is deserving let your peace rest on it. If it's not, then let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or that town and shake the dust off your feet. He's saying, move on. Move on. When we venture out beyond people and places familiar to us with this wonderful, incredible, life-changing message of the gospel, when we begin to push the boundaries of our comfort zones, we will either be received by people or we will be rejected by people. But again, it does not change the fact of the Gospel that Jesus still saves, that He still delivers, that He still heals, and that salvation in His name is still real. And it doesn't change the fact of this simple yet powerful verse Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. Just because the people we might witness to today reject us, we should not take it personally because they rejected God first. Just because at times people reject us in this world, we shouldn't let it get us too discouraged because they have rejected God first. And as Jesus said, don't leave your peace behind with you, but let your peace return to you. Don't leave your peace there with them if they don't want to have anything to do with the message. Take your peace with you. What he's saying is don't let anyone steal your joy. Don't leave your peace in that city. Don't leave your peace of mind of the gospel. Don't leave the peace that you have found in Jesus Christ. Don't leave anything there behind. Don't let it destroy your soul. Walk out of that place. Take your peace with you. Don't let them steal your joy. Because we still have a lot to offer this hurting world. We still have a powerful message to proclaim and a great hope that people need to hear. And as some don't want to hear it at first, Move on to somebody else who does. The Bible has said that God's going to deal with them. Worse will it be for Sodom for them than Sodom and Gomorrah because they rejected not you as much as the gospel. They rejected the gospel message that you bore. Don't take it personally. God's the one who's really suffering because the Bible says that God would have it that none should perish, but everyone would have eternal life. God doesn't need us. He wants us, and he wants us bad. Don't worry about the ones who reject you. Just move on and let God deal with them. Be as shrewd as snakes, but be as peaceful as a dove. Stand your ground is what Jesus says, but minister with passion. Stand your ground firm for the gospel message, but minister with passion. Because this message that we have, though one person may not want to hear it, somebody else needs to. And the wonderful thing that we have is when we go to take this gospel message to people, we can give forth proof that what we say is real. We can tell them what God has done in our lives. We can share with them the times that He has brought us through difficulties and even the things He may be carrying us through right now. The times that we didn't think that we could stand, but God has promised you can stand because you're standing on the solid rock. You shall not be shaken. We can tell them what it's like to be faithful in the midst of turmoil and oh how it can wonderfully bless the souls of those who receive it and begin to know it for themselves. And though we're not accustomed to the same kind of healing power that the disciples saw on that day that they went out and the times that they moved and ministered even after Jesus' ascension, we may not be used to that. But we are used to the God whose power flowed from them into the people that they healed. That same power can be tapped into today by praying simple prayers, asking God to move on our behalf and on behalf of others. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 3, and verse 12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayers. If you want to show somebody what Jesus can do, pray for them. If you want to show someone who's doubting if God is real, begin to pray for them. God still wants to do miracles in this world. He wants to do them in the lives of people that we know. And He wants them to come about because of our prayers on their behalf. When people doubt our message, don't lose heart, but pray. Pray for them that that God would give them another chance to hear the word. And when people do believe, because we have spoken to them about Jesus, it's not all about the times we're rejected, but the wonderful times when people do accept as well. We need to rejoice. And then we need to pray some more. Pray that as God has brought one more to himself, that he'll continue to bring more. More people who know what we know that God is good, that Jesus still saves, He still delivers, and He still heals. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for this day and all of your many blessings, for giving us this opportunity to be here together to worship and praise you, to give you glory and honor for all that you've done. Lord, I pray now that you will just move and Minister in our hearts and minds today. That, Lord, we we might feel your presence. That for those who have gone for you who might have been rejected, that they'll be comforted, that their soul will be restored. That they will know that going for you is not going in vain, but it's going with purpose. And though one person might reject it, somebody else still needs to hear it. Encourage us, Lord, when we move beyond our places of comfort into time and places and even people that are unknown. Lord, when we are given these opportunities to share the gospel, give us boldness. Help us to speak only your truth that they might be blessed as we have been blessed. Father, remove the training wheels of our life. The training wheels of our witness. Allow us to step out on faith for you. To tell someone of the gospel that we have come to know and that we love. I pray for anyone who's hurting or struggling today in this place, Lord, for any reason a son or a daughter who's rejected Christ, for a friend, Lord, even for just things of their life that are causing them problems and and hurting their walk with you, that you would just come to every need, minister, and heal as only you can. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.